American Gothic is a genre that has always made a splash, especially as we get further away from the years most of those stories take place. This week on Schedule for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I talk with Asa and Alex of Backwater Games about Backwards, an expansion to their original game, Backwater. Explore the ruins of St. Louis and discover the secrets of the world turned upside down. We talk about expanding a game, finding roots in a location, Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am very excited to be talking to some people who we kind of met last minute, and this has been a bit of a rush production, but Asa, Alex, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast this week. Thanks for having us, Zach. Yeah, very excited to be here. Thank you. I am super pumped to be talking about this game. Like I said, this isn't your first project that you've worked on. And I know I haven't said the title yet because we're going to get to that in a moment, but I was super bummed that I missed your previous Kickstarter and this is an extension, so I definitely need to get into it on this one. But before we really get talking about your game, Backwater and Backroads, which is the actual main topic of this episode, can you both tell the audience a little bit about yourselves? Yeah, I'll get us started here. My my name is Asa and I'm one of the creators for Backwater Games and the other creator... Oh, that's me. I'm Alex. I'm the other creator. Hello. <laughs> and Alex and I have been uh, friends for a while and uh, sort of funny how we sort of became partners and how this has uh, sort of grown over the years in, in terms of game development. But yeah, we just met through a, a gaming or we met through a gaming group years and years ago and uh, we liked each other enough where we became pretty close friends. And uh, <laughs> after I moved away, <laughs> Alex and I, uh, ironically, started working on a game together, even though we were in different states. I had moved to Arkansas. Alex was uh, still in, in Minnesota. And okay. yeah, it, it was one way to continue hanging out together. And next thing you knew, it, it became a much larger creative project for the two of us. Yes, absolutely. Uh, although, Asa, I was in New Hampshire when we started this, not Minnesota. Oh, were you? You had already moved. Yeah, so so we've been all over the, the American <laughs> lands, as they're called in our game. I'm just going to push my glasses up here and say, actually, uh, although it's of real, really no importance, except that I'm now in New England, where Lovecraftian monsters are everywhere, and that yep. is not in Backroads, but perhaps in a later, uh, a later project. We'll see. We'll see what's going on in the Heartlands. But anyway. As somebody who is both Canadian and does not understand any of the locations of the United States outside of New York and Florida, I'm excited to discover more about Gothic America in Backroads and Backwater. So what is this game and w yeah, what, what are you doing? And what exactly is Backroads? Yeah, well, also I'll start with Backwater since... Backroads is the expansion to it, but Backwater was our first project. It was a Southern Gothic horror tabletop mm -hmm. role-playing game uh, in the style of survival horror. And in Backwater, characters play or players played as wardens in the post-apocalyptic South, the Deep South in particular. So New Orleans was the primary setting. Yeah. And uh, what wardens were is uh, they were people tasked with keeping order at the Southern Reach. 
and uh, their job was to navigate swamps, quell conflicts in towns and families, and keep monsters at bay in a post-apocalyptic America. And Backroads then is our expansion to backwater, and it describes different parts of the post-apocalyptic America, what we call the outskirts, which spans from Arkansas to the Great Lakes. And in this game, you can play more than just wardens. You can be any type of adventure that you want, but most commonly you might be a scavenger looking through the ruins of, a, of an abandoned city of St. Louis. Yeah, one of the main one of the main differences between backwater and backroads is that backwater was very much designed to be a sort of mystery horror uh, survival game, whereas backroads certainly has far more elements of exploration and mm -hmm. uh, sort of gold rush fever, eighteen forty nine uh, sentiments, so that characters may. You know, wardens are maybe motivated by many any number of things, but typically your characters uh, in Backroads are going to be motivated by the desire to acquire as much coin as possible or figure out what exactly is going on in these major ruins, specifically St. Louis. Uh, so we really wanted to move in a direction of uh, exploration as a theme while we were also ourselves exploring uh, the new parts of the American lands and outskirts that we had thought about in Backwater but hadn't actually visited or given much thought to beyond knowing that they existed. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, one of the coolest things about this game, too, is the timing of the original and the themes and stuff. For me, what made Backwater stick out so much was I was just coming out of being bombarded by Lovecraft Country, I think it was called, which apparently was very good, and it got me really in the mood for this. It was super interesting, and the art style that was chosen for Backwater was striking and like bleak, if if I could, but also really rich. So I was really impressed with how Backwater presented itself compared to other American Gothic games out there yeah and we were sort of uh we we played around a lot and looked around for a lot of different artists and i think we've been pretty fortunate with the people that we ended up with and yeah i, I love that you mentioned love uh love lovecraft uh or what was it is it called lovecraft county country is that what it was i think it's I called lovecraft country i'm like almost yeah. positive yeah, yeah, and I, I read the book, um, and funnily enough, that was around one part of the time when we were probably writing the, the game, too, uh, coincidentally. But yeah, and we loved Lovecraft Country, and, uh, you know, uh, so, so many parts of, of it, but I liked all those short vignettes in there, and mm -hmm. incorporating the weird, while also sort of being a critique on, you know, early 20th century America. So I think, yeah, yeah, you'll see plenty of that in here too. And for our, art, our, our artists, you know, we were mostly trying to uh, look for art that captured feelings of, uh, of the style that we're looking for, sort of that American Gothic or Southern Gothic. And uh, Natalie de Carcer, who worked on the first project, although she isn't on our second one, uh, she 
she did a lot of Southern Gothic works and was immediately one of the people that, that we really brought in and did some of that really great art with the swamps and, uh, you know, a possum monstrosity, the gator monstrosity that we had in that first campaign yeah. that we really loved. And from there, we ended up meeting a couple of different artists on the way. So um, Sonia is one of our artists and she jumped in as we worked on a module for backwater and uh, Aaron Radney did the maps for us and he's a he's a native of St. Louis actually and he did some maps for us and a piece for the the new game too and all of them sort of capture are really great at capturing that that sort of American Gothic feel and then finally just I want to highlight Carlos Ulefi who is uh, great at monster illustrations and did so many of ours <laughs> and really helped capture that post-apocalyptic vibe too. Yeah, I, I think we've been really, really fortunate with the artists that we've been working with. Um, Asa has been primarily the one who's been recruiting and finding, seeking out the, the talent, and he's done a phenomenal job. Um, and the artists themselves, you know, like, as they produce things, it creates further ideas for us. And so I think one of the reasons that the art manages to reflect what we're going for so well is that as we see the works we are then ourselves inspired to other things, if that makes sense. You know, there's a, there's a dialectic yeah. between, you know, a great monster that we had envisioned, but then the artist will give some sort of character to it that we hadn't thought of or expected, and then all of a sudden that sends us down so many other pathways, and it's been a, a real pleasure to see what's been created, and it's been really, at least for me, uh, like, I, I will just look at the art as I'm writing, just to keep myself in that sort of mind frame. And I think it's been really, really helpful for me as a writer to see these wonderful things um, that are then going into the game. So it's been, yeah. you know, it's, it's mutually reinforcing, which is great. I think that that's part of it too. It's just like, there's a specific style that you really see with American Gothic. And it's really in the media recently. There's been a lot of really cool stuff that is come out focusing on american gothic especially in like the podcast space too i mean old gods of appalachia just successfully kickstarted their i say successfully but they absolutely demolished that kickstarter goal and then there's midwestern of we just talked about lovecraft craft country what do you think is this draw to american gothic that we're starting to see especially in like the early 2020s well, I think one of the things, and uh, and Alex and I have sort of talked about this recently too, is that we see a lot of maybe certain elements of the of the past uh, sort of resurfacing in in the present. So if we're thinking about like some of these extreme ideologies and ideas, politics and religions that you might associate with American Gothic. So thinking about Puritanism. So for yeah. example, like Nathaniel Hawthorne's work. And, uh, I think we, that a lot of that resonates with us, uh, with many people, at least in a US audience, but you, you're seeing it in other countries as well. In Canada, you're seeing it in the UK, yeah. you know, you're out, uh, elsewhere too. So I think that's one thing that, that's part of it that we're seeing. And I think, uh, I think that that's something we're trying to capture in the, in the game. That's 
we get a little bit of that on of the uncanny in here where mm-hmm. some of this stuff gets uh is entirely real but yeah also gets that feeling of, of fiction at the same time where you get these bizarre like in our game the, the founders cult this bizarre religion mm-hmm. based off yeah. of the founding line of the of the presidents and it's really it's this religion based off of modern day american conservatism and and a few other things that we, that we can mention as well but i think that's part of <laughs> the appeal here and it, and that genre the american gothic genre is maybe especially relevant or growing yeah. in relevance in uh in a time with a lot of disruption and uh, a lot of division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one of, one of the things I would add is that, uh, you know, there always seem to be in, in history, there are these cyclical, cy- cyclical cycles. Um, okay. That's a dumb phrase, but, uh, you, know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, there are moments of, as Asa said, disruption, and those moments of disruption inevitably lead to a reconsidering of the past and how yeah. Americans or whoever uh, relate to their past. And I think, you know, in the last five years, 10 years, uh, we've had a severe re-understanding of, uh, you know, American history. And Mm -hmm. I think that Americans are, especially, and that's why we're focusing on this, are really coming to grips with some of the ghosts that we have had sort of shoved under the rug in the 80s, 90s. And so, I mean, for me, really, backwater is a way of making sense of the pandemic and, you know, the sort of chaos that I felt surrounding us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, thinking of a future where Americans are looking back and sort of reinterpreting our, our present as their past, uh, I think was an important aspect. And I think that's where, you know, the uncanniness comes in, where we, we recognize the sort of foibles and uh fallibility of our own society where we have these these future americans who see us as the sort of ideal and to sort of wrangle with what that means uh is the sort of disruption that we worked into the game and i think that total uh disruption and re-understanding is why american gothic has been perhaps on the foremind of people over the last few years I think that makes total sense. And that's obviously American Gothic. It's one of the major themes of Backroads. The other being exploration. So let's let's start digging into that a little bit. How does Backroads assist players in experiencing exploration throughout this setting? I can let Alex start this time if you want, Alex, just so I don't <laughs> start every question. <laughs> Uh, well, I would say that uh, Asa can probably speak more to the actual bones of the rules. Uh, my my contributions are often narrative or thematic or uh, okay. what have you. But uh, for me, it was, you know, the exploration aspect of it. I wanted to... I'm sorry. I... Asa, you should start. Okay. Yeah, I can start on this. You should yeah, start so, think about this. Um, for exploration in backwater, we sort of started with the swamp. With the swamps uh, is one of the things that you're really 
exploring through. So there is exploration in backwater too. And we had a basic mm -hmm. system for that. And in that system, it's a lot of that, na uh, of that navigation, uh, thinking about the environment and how that might complicate it. And uh, as you're trying to navigate, you might have encounters along the way uh, and these other difficulties. It's sort of like a, in, in that way, um, it's like mini games uh, that have that sort of exploration element. And in Backroads, we're also bringing in sort of a hex crawl element here. And we're trying to introduce a more sandbox style exploration than, the, than what we had in, in Backwater. So in Backroads, we're trying to allow two different types of exploration via hex crawl. So one will be okay. through the ruins of St. Louis that we're trying to build out here. And the other one will be overland travel. And some of the elements that we're adding to the game are going to be random tables that GMs can use to sort of uh, pull together these adventures on the fly. But in terms of the actual experiences and building into some of that role playing in Backroads, we're trying to work in some of that survival horror elements here. So in the Backwater game system, we have this mechanic called Resolve. It's like a stress mechanic that you might have in many survival horror games. But as you're, uh, when you encounter something scary, you make a resolve roll. And you basically, you have so much resolve to begin with. Every time that you fail a resolve roll, you lose a bit of resolve. But the thing is, in the backwater game system, the roll that you're making here, you're trying to roll under your current resolve points each time. So every time that you lose resolve, it gets a little bit harder and a little bit harder and a little bit harder. So it slowly wears you down. So combining with this sort of exploration that you're doing, as you run into stressful moments or scary moments, uh, it's slowly wearing down your character, perhaps their physical stamina, but also sort of their mental fortitude. So that's something that we're trying to build into the game here to, uh, to incorporate it into the um, into the, you know, part of the role-playing experience and part of that exploration experience. So there's sort of the top level, which tends to be hex crawl, and then at the more uh, granular level, uh, we're trying to incorporate some of these other mechanics to make it not just exploration, but what we might call exploration horror, as you're spelunking uh, through the ruins of old factory buildings. Yeah, yeah, Asa hit that. that that's that's exactly right. Uh, you know, the the exploration horror uh, is you know it's coming out of sort of the older style of, of like, I mean, I don't want to say it's resource management, but it's it's important in backroads to have the right things uh, when you're spelunking because you never know what you're going to run into, yeah. and part of the horror is simply, do I have the thing that I need? Yeah, you know, uh, you there's a locked door if that's your only escape and you don't have a way to get through it beyond, you know, trying to brute strength bash it down, that, that adds stress to the situation. You know, having the right amount of food even, depending on how long that you are out trapped in the ruins, can, can make a difference in the, the stress of that. Uh, so the exploration is, is yes, it's uh, an attempt to add to the horror, but it's also a great way to add flavor and let the characters discover, you know, the outskirts and the ruins for themselves. Um, 
one of the things I really wanted was that there to be no set map of St. Louis. I wanted it to be a fresh experience for anyone who is playing it, including someone who, like a GM, who has run it more than once. So the idea would be that every time you play this, there are going to be fresh surprises. You know, mm -hmm. If a player has played it or you uh, GM'd it, you're not necessarily going to have the same game. And it was important that there are surprises, uh, and there's only so many ways you can do that in a, a role-playing game, particularly if someone has run it before or read it. So being able to introduce this sort of random style to the exploration, uh, I also felt was going to give us not only replayability, but uh, a little more interesting uh, a setting uh, than might normally be encountered. You know, we've, to you, you, you've, you've done any number of uh, dungeons where you know what's in the, the next room if you've played it. Well, you never know yeah. what's going to be in the next room with, with Backroads. Yeah, and... I think one other thing just to add in there, <laughs> again, I'm sort of thinking about it on different levels and yeah, there's the top level with the hex crawl and, uh, and resource management falling in along those lines with the role play and that survival horror element. And one other thing that I think I just might add in terms of a story is some of the things that we're trying to build in is, well, as you're exploring the ruins of this relatively well-preserved city, uh, in the po in post-apocalyptic America, you're also uncovering things about the past. So there's this big mystery in the in the setting of you know what caused the end, and there's a little bit of information about that in the GM section for the for the first game. But really, we're, we try to leave it a bit open. Uh, but in in Backroads, we're trying to build in hints about how the world came to be uh, in this post-apocalyptic. Um, uh, setting. So what what caused the end and what has happened since then that led to the modern day American lands? And we want to give some guidance on that, but at the same time we also want to leave it open for game masters to add in their own bits uh, of discovery that they can throw in there. Okay, so it's like it's a setting that is able to be replayed a lot. And with that comes options for characters and where they go. Backroads provides four new character options on top of Backwater's 14. Is that correct? 14 character options? Uh, there are four in there are four character options in Backwater, and there are four in Backroads as well. My mistake. Okay. So on top of the four Backwater options, there's also Backroads options for characters. And that's the spark lock, which is steampunk magic, basically. Spelunkers, which are dungeon delvers and tech divers. Spiritualists, which are healers and orators. And then steadfast, which is your defensive combatant. They feel like they fit into this setting. Like It feels like you, you both put a lot of thought into what these characters were. So can you tell me a little bit about the design process for implementing these character options? What went into choosing them on top of some sort of like really heavy hitter fighter? Uh, well, I can start this one off, Asa, if you want. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, when we were doing Backwater, the, the characters were meant to fulfill sort of basic traditional role-playing game slots. Uh, and when it came to Backroads, and we were expanding on that, 
uh, we first, I think, we ended up selecting what our major themes were going to be for Backroads, okay. including exploration, um, like the American Gothic, uh, irrationalism or Puritanism, faith, uh, among other things. And we ended up sort of molding the character archetypes to fit some of those themes. So the Spelunker was a natural choice, yeah. just because we needed someone who was going to be able to navigate the ruins in a, an effective way and be able to keep their party alive that way. Mm -hmm. um, and because we knew that we wanted to explore some themes of, of faith and um, extreme ideologies, uh, the spiritualist made sense because it's sort of a non-denominational character who takes their inspiration from their faith, whatever that may be. Um, the Sparklock, we also felt uh, we wanted someone who was able to, or we wanted to focus on old world technology, and that meant someone who was able to navigate electric worlds, worlds of computers, worlds of far more advanced technology that to the American lands of the future actually seems like magic because it's so advanced based mm. uh, compared to what they know. And then for the Steadfast, we wanted someone who, as a support fighter, was going to be, you know, they're able to not, it's not just a focus on killing, but it's a, um, groups and group uh, camaraderie was also one of the themes we were thinking about, uh, with okay. corporations and exploration, like uh, little smaller companies that are exploration companies that go into the ruins and they try and find technology, scrap, what have you. And the one of the themes of just you know you got to be a, you can't be an individual in the ruins you got to have a team at your back and the steadfast was a way to really emphasize that yeah this is a fighter but this is someone who their focus is on the welfare of the group it's not on being out for themselves it's not on how many monsters I can kill but it's how many of my teammates can I keep alive. That's super interesting. Yeah and. Just to add to uh, to some of that, I think a main goal that we've that we've had all along in in both of our games is uh, we want whatever character options that there are uh, to be ones that you can play in whatever setting that you want. So mm -hmm. backwater, you can still play the character options from backwater and backroads. And in backroads, although we're trying to build them into some of these themes, especially around exploration, uh, for example, we also want them to be playable if we were to do more expansions. And you know, yeah. we have a decently active sort of Discord community, and some of the people in that community are writing lore for their own uh, for. The, their own places where they've grown up, for example, which is really, which is really cool, so cool, and we always love to hear about. But we want these character options to be able to be picked up and adapted, so that you know they don't become useless after after that book. So yeah. we're trying to build them flexible enough. So we want them to fit the themes, but we still want to want them to be able to uh, to be used elsewhere. And just to add in to, to some of it, yeah, we wanted characters who could work with these technologies, characters like the Splunker, who are really these survival experts for whether urban exploration or exploration in the wilderness. Uh, and the Steadfast, somebody you can also heal, but also maybe can do some diplomatic skills. So we're trying to build in some flexibility there. 
But with the Steadfast for me, one of the things that I really wanted is, uh, and that has been a focus for me and Alex as we've designed the game, is we don't really want the game to be all about combat or anything. Yeah. In fact, uh, we've sort of emphatically moved away from it. So combat is part of the game. We're, we're not removing it from the game. But combat is consequential, and it has been uh, since, the first, mm-hmm. since the first book in Backwater where uh, you engage in combat, you know, it can be very deadly or it can be very hard on your characters, for example. But we don't want our game to be where every session there's an obligatory combat. Uh, we, Alex and I both love investigation-style games, mystery-style games, games with mm-hmm. role-playing. We also like survival horror. And when we designed the system originally, we were trying to build in all of these skills to sort of allow people to build the types of characters that they want without having that obligation as, for example, one of my f- friends after they just played uh, Backwater for the second time, they, they said, wow, I feel like I got to actually build a character that I wanted without having to worry about combat. So just to go back to those character options, one of our goals is just to really incorporate uh, you know, and some ideas behind the character that uh, the players can pick up and run with and and create with it without feeling obligated to do something combat-y. And for the Steadfast, you know, it has those combat options, but it's not your typical, you know, sort of barbarian or gunslinger who's busting in the doors. It's somebody who's based much more, as Alex was saying, about team dynamics, about protecting others, defending the defenseless. So it's a different take on, on, on combat in that character option as well. I think that really shines through in the rules for Backroads and Backwater, the attributes that are set up. You can really see that. Just the way that the two of you have designed the game so that you don't need to... It doesn't, to me, feel like you need to be like, well, I can't do a dump stat in Dexterity because that means I'll be really slow or that kind of thing. Like the way that it's established, each attribute has some core things that they're tied to, but it's not overly complicated and it doesn't hurt other areas necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to like, if, if you really want to emphasize a skill and, um, and not another one, it's not going to make your character completely useless in certain situations, but you know, it, it, it will show up. And, uh, Mm -hmm. that's the, you know, that's part of the game. We try to, uh, create the game. So people are put in different types of situations, whether or not they might be social encounters or investigation, et cetera. And everyone's going to be, have different levels of usefulness in there. And you're definitely going to have your, your chance to shine, but in no instance is your character also going to be completely useless. And I think maybe we've all played role-playing games before where we were really inspired by a character type, um, but then because of the type of game that we're playing, <laughs> we maybe just don't have as much fun or don't feel like we can actually be the character that we wanted to be. So I think we build in a lot of flexibility with the character options. And uh, yeah, and I feel like you can also create very rich characters and backstories. Uh, with that character creation system too. Yeah, I, I I think as soon as players are 
divorced from the idea that I need to make a combat effective character first and foremost, you start to see really interesting options. Um, and I think one of the ways that we tried to shepherd that was we have ideals in the game, which are where you draw your skill set from. You don't draw your skill set from your class, your, your archetype. And so it, we, you know, the class design and the archetype design is trying to fit the themes of Backroads or Backwater, but the, ideal, um, the ideals that we have uh, included in both Backroads and Backwater, we're also trying to make sure that there are a very broad range of character motivations um, so that you can have a, a slayer who is also a scholar, or you can have uh, a, a seer, a magic user, who really is just like a, a criminal, you know, or the, who, who mm. has a sort of seedy underside to their character. So that, that's one of the ways in which, you know, the, the archetype design really does go hand in hand with the ideals, um, which are all sort of drawn into uh, the major themes of the expansion, be it Backroads or Backwater. And I just want to, one last thing about all these character options, and, and uh, sometimes I have a hard time, uh, hard time describing them, but I do feel like, you know, uh, and I might even put my money where my mouth is, I feel like if, uh, when people create characters for the Backwater game, it, it's actually a fun experience in itself. And yeah. I think just the act of creating that character helps generate a story and can be really inspiring for the game. So if you're on the fence about ever trying out Backwater or Backroads, if anybody out there uh, ever is, you know, try our Quick Start Guide, which is free, that you can use to create characters. And we have a solitaire game that you can play through it if you want. But I think even just creating characters um, with the game system it's really fun and might inspire you to learn more about how to play. Yeah, it's been my favorite part of our playtesting. It's just been making various characters, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many characters I've made, but I, I enjoy it every time. And we do have a random, uh, a system for randomly rolling up characters too, if that's something that people are interested in. I know that some people really like that. I was going to say at some point throughout this episode that the quick start for Backwater is incredible. So I'm glad I get to plug this in yet. However, there is a highly super important thing that we have not yet discussed when it comes to characters, and that is the little beasties who help us get through these games when we're scared by the horrible monsters in <laughs> on the back roads. And that's our animal companions, which are coming into back roads here. Do you want to tell us a little bit about everybody's favorite thing about role-playing games when it comes to having 4,000 animal pets. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and Alex and I have had a lot of fun and right now in our Kickstarter, we're previewing three of the new animal companions. Uh, but we may, we'll probably add a couple more in here as well, but yeah. I, it was something I wanted to add right away. And just a quick anecdote is I, one day on Twitter, somebody who had picked up the, the game Backwater reached out and said that Animal Companions were some of their favorite part and that uh, they and their partner uh, were creating their own anim Animal Companions for the game. And my favorite That's was so that cool. uh, they had a catfish, which they uh, was one of their ideas that they carried around in water. <laughs> and I can't remember <laughs> the, the other idea that they had too, but... Anyway, I love hearing about some of the, the stuff that people create for the games and 
yeah, animal companions are definitely an inspiration for us <laughs> in all of the games that we play. With backwater, we started with some basics, and a lot of those are, you know, what are some types of companions that a warden or an adventurer might have in this post-apocalyptic uh, United States? And the big one that we sort of built into the story is, well, wardens, these people who are sort of like wandering marshals of the American lands, they often have wolfhounds, these larger yep. dogs that are used for protection, but also when you're you know, wandering this post-apocalyptic landscape, just having a companion is extremely mm -hmm. useful. And building into the theme, we incorporated a few other things too. One of my favorites are the ravens in the game. You know, a seer is a character archetype in Backwater, and seers, you can get these special abilities that work really well with your animal companions, sort of like seeing through their eyes, for example. And uh, having a raven could be really useful in that capacity. There could be yeah. hawks, and I'll admit that part of the inspiration for a hawk is the Dark Tower series, which I really enjoyed yep. and um, and had created my own TTRPG version of it at one point in time with a hawk. There's a hawk named David in that book series that I just love. Yes. And then there are horses and mules. Uh, cats are an option as well. And then... A, a whisper, which is sort of our version of the of a will of a wisp, but we really like that. And in the back, backwater setting, uh, you can have a whisper in a bird cage, and you can use it as a lantern as well, and a companion, of course. In backroads, we've created three new ones, at least to begin with, and we're trying to build on some of the new themes in backroads. So that exploration one, especially for exploring caves, exploring uh, the ruins of St. Louis we built in those canaries, that sort of canary in a coal mine motif. And along mm -hmm. with it, we created some accessories too. And for the canary, we created a resuscitator. And so that, so in other that. words, you can, <laughs> yeah, you put the canary in the resuscitator and the canary has a special ability uh, called sensitive, where if it runs into some toxic gas, you're the first to know the canary passes out. You can revitalize it using the resuscitator right away and you can avoid stepping into these areas with toxic gas, for example. Uh, so that's one of the ones I am really excited about, and we've got some cool art for I you to check for people to check out on the Kickstarter page. Uh, my my favorite of the new animal companions is definitely the the bomb smelling rat. Um, yeah, I saw that one too. <laughs> uh, I I have traditionally had very small dogs as uh, my family pets. And so I have a natural inclination to small, very small, sort of feisty uh, animal companions. And I love the idea of having a trained rat that will go around <laughs> and, you know, it's like, like we, who knows what's going on in the ruins of St. Louis? There are any number of uh, man-made and natural problems that you can run into. Yeah. And ha having a rat that you've trained to steal stuff from people unobserved or sniff out a bomb uh, is very endearing to me and it was definitely one of the first things that I was like, we need to do something like this. We need to have some sort of small furry animal that you can train to do all sorts of neat little, little tricks that will help you survive in the ruins. And then the final one that we've, that we're sort of previewing in there is a mink rat. So another little fictional animal companion. Uh, Alex and I were joking that when we created it, that it was basically becoming Pokemon-esque. It is 
we try to get it to be pretty adorable. And in the picture, it's like eat, trying to eat a light bulb. Uh, so maybe not the brightest <laughs> animal. But uh, we sort of are playing into that uh, post-apocalyptic motif. You look at a lot of the animals and animal companions, some of them will have mutations or be different in some ways. And mm -hmm. mink rats are meant to be a cross between a muskrat and a mink. So they're meant to be really flexible. They can climb trees really well. They can swim really well. They're very hardy and they can survive in these uh, in this landscape that's maybe been ravaged by radioactivity. Uh, but we just want them to be cute. And although we haven't previewed this on the Kickstarter page, one of the accessories is basically like a baby Bjorn, a little baby backpack that you can oh. put the mink rat in uh, to carry along with you. And uh, practical use, it has a little bit in terms of the game system, but honestly, I, I just think it's adorable. <laughs> so that was one of the big things that I wanted to add. So something that's important to remember too about Backroads is that it's still currently in development. And there's a lot of really cool things already planned for it. Is there anything that you can share that you're hoping to get, be able to put into Backroads? Or have you pretty much nailed down what you want to be in there with some testing and more or less writing to still be completed? I think the, I think we've written a lot of it already. So this is something that we try to do for, uh, so for our first Kickstarter, we had pretty much written everything for Backwater before we put it up. And for Backroads, I'd say uh, we've probably written, uh, or at least for Alex and my pieces that we planned on writing together, we've probably written about 80%, if not a little bit more of that. We've also brought another writer onto the project, Shea Snow. They're great. They worked on uh, Coyote and Crow. They worked on uh, some the Starfinder and Pathfinder lines as well for Paiso, which is pretty great. Um, so we're excited to have uh, them working on the project with it, with us too. For me and Alex, uh, we're, we've written pretty much everything. We're the final things that we're sort of building out is mostly on the game master side of things. So what does the game master know that maybe these player characters don't? And the structure of our book usually goes character creation. Then there's player character knowledge, which is just meant, you know, you can use it in game. Player characters can flip to their book and look up stuff as if they're in a particular location, if they wanted to, or for some background information. Any of that stuff is sort of fair game for the world knowledge. And then there's a game system section, and then following that is a section for the game masters. That's where all the secrets of the setting are that the game master can use in order to create their adventures. So we're definitely building in some of our secrets to the ruins of St. Louis, uh, to some of the things that you can do uh, in Meacham, which is a settlement across the river from St. Louis and what you'd call East St. Louis, uh, and those, those elements. And we're still building out monsters too. And the reason why I'd like to emphasize that is we're hoping that maybe people will be interested during the Kickstarter to grab one of the higher level pledges where they can actually create a monster and contribute it to the setting. Uh, so we are hope, hoping to bring in, and maybe even through some of the stretch goals to uh, some monsters from urban legend and folk tales, especially associated uh, with the area. And Alex, I don't know, is there anything that I'm forgetting that maybe I've, I've thought that we've written and am blanking on here? <laughs> uh, well, there, there's a whole list of that, but um, specifically, I think that 
Uh, for me, the one thing that I, I don't think we've written yet, but I was really looking forward to uh, including, if we have time or inclination uh, and, and or funding, uh, is, is to create some sort of small, like, folk horror-y random generator tables for our outskirts exploration. Um, mm. One of the things we really want to focus on in the outskirts, which is sort of very broad, Ameri you know, plains area that's, uh, you know, twisted and weird, is to have these little isolated communities where things may be fine or they may not. And it may depend on the roll of the dice, whether you find a community that is welcoming and is happy to have you there, or if there's something more going on behind the scenes. And so I think that's the thing that I would really... It's not written yet, uh, but I, I would like to really fo be focusing on in the next uh, few months as we really wrap things up. That's cool. I'm so excited to see where Backroads goes, because from what I've seen of Backwater, it's already like really cool. You have a fairly dedicated community that clearly loves your work, so seeing more of it is always exciting to me. I love when independent creators stick with an an ip and keep on developing it more i just think it's there's something really special about getting more content for something that's not absolutely massive yeah and one thing that we'd like to encourage too is and that we're already seeing you know like i said in our discord community or just when i hear from people on twitter is people creating their own stuff uh for the game and mm -hmm. even, you know, even if it's just adding on to the setting or writing their own stories for it. We have our own homebrew kit. We call it Backwater Brew. If we successfully <laughs> fund for Backroads, we're also going to do a Backroads Brew. But it basically lays out some basic assets that people can use uh, to create uh, their own content in the same style that our layout might actually be. And to provide them some of the assets that we use for creating our books and things too. We've even set it up where our stat blocks that we have for monsters are easily editable uh, for people. And if anybody ever wants any of those or needs some deeper stuff, I'm happy to, to work with them. I've worked with a couple of people from our, who've reached out via Discord just to see if they could get different uh, sort of graphics, like things from our character sheet that they could use for tracking sheets or condition sheets that they're, that they're creating for other people to use. So we're hoping that there's more of that with Backroads as well. And yeah, just some exciting things. We have people who are working on like settings in West Virginia, and we have somebody, uh, we have a lot of people speculating about what's going on in Texas and creating character archetypes, uh, imagining what things are like west of the, of the Backwater Ward and in the western outskirts of the American lands. So I think we're, we're excited that people have already started to pick it up. You know, from our first Kickstarter, I'd say our audience grew, you know, pretty, pretty significantly. And uh, we're hoping that the more people who join are interested in adding to, to the setting and uh, making the lore their own, too.
I'll even add, like, at one point in time, as some people are chatting in the Discord, speculating about different parts of the East Coast and what might have happened out there, Alex and I were messaging privately because somebody threw out an, something that we had hinted at in the first book they picked up on and they're speculating about. And basically, Alex and I messaged and were like, oh, yeah, that's better than what we were originally <laughs> originally thinking. <laughs> so. But we, we really like that, you know, sort of give and take with the with the community and and we we like, you know, throwing out some of the ideas that we had and and sharing some of the things that we're thinking about uh, for things that aren't quite official yet and and hearing other people's ideas. And the last thing just to add to that, we talked with our artists, too, but uh, about our art, artists and how they contributed to the world and helped us uh, craft it as we were writing on it. Aaron Radney, again, is from St. Louis, and as we were working with him on the maps, he uh, was, as a local, was sort of imagining how St. Louis might look after the post-apocalypse, and we already had a lot of our ideas, and as he was throwing things on the map, which you can preview on that Kickstarter page, uh, it was really great to hear him spitballing about this is how this part of the ruins should look and talking about road construction in St. Louis and how he imagines it got even worse <laughs> um, <laughs> in the time leading up to the, uh, to the apocalypse here. And uh, so anyway, and about different populations and, uh, and the difference between, for example, people who live in, uh, in St. Louis and people who live in the County. And uh, yeah. so it's, it's great to, to chat with people or from these places, as I'm not from St. Louis, I did spend time down in Southern Arkansas when we're writing Backwater, but it's really great to hear people's perspectives. And to that point, a lot of times we try to hire sensitivity readers who come from the locales that, that we're working with, and that's one of our goals uh, for Backroads as well. Let's face it, the ultimate part of being any sort of content creator is people theory crafting about what you're working on. Yeah. Totally agreed. <laughs> well, it's just nice to, and it's nice to, you know, you feel a little bit justified in the work that you're doing. Maybe justified isn't isn't the right isn't the right word there, but well, you feel um, good about it, though. Yeah, you feel good about it. So, guys, I actually just looked at the timer. We are starting to run low on time here, but I have two more really quick questions for you both. Uh, what advice? First one. First one is what advice can you give? people who are looking to make their own game, but they don't really know where to start? That's a really good question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, for me, uh, I think this all started from Asa and I wanted to play a game. We wanted to play the game that we wanted to play. So we, mm -hmm. were, we, we wanted to make the game that we wanted to play. Yeah. So I think, I think like fundamental bare bones is to think about the kind of game you really want to be playing and think about how you can end up you know, uh, coalescing that into a usable format. And I, I don't know if that's helpful or not, but just, like, you know, game theory is f so far beyond me. Like, it's not a thing I, I understand. I don't understand numbers. I don't understand game balance, truly. But what I do understand is that I want to be telling a game with interesting characters is set in X, Y, and Z. And so that was really the starting place for me, even before we started thinking about rule sets, before we started thinking about how do we fund this thing, etc. Yeah, and if I had to give it, I, I think that was really great. And if I had to give any advice to, I'd say, uh, don't be afraid to make mistakes. I mm -hmm. am somebody who 
that's probably the way I learn. I make so many mistakes and after a while you sort of get in that growth mindset where you begin to realize, oh yeah, this is how you learn. Uh, so don't be afraid to make those mistakes. It can be hard to put your to put yourself out there, but uh, there are lots of people who will be supportive in, in the tabletop role-playing game community. And uh, I would say something that I'm bad at as somebody who can be pretty anxious <laughs> in social settings sometimes, uh, it's, it's reaching out to other people and just a shout out to, to somebody, uh, Duck, who did the game Cubicorium. Yep. Oh, he's done a bunch of games, but... Duck's yeah, episode's did... coming out tomorrow, actually. Oh, really? His... That's so great. Yeah, yeah and he did uh, <laughs> To Change, which is his new one. So a shout out to Change uh, if people haven't backed to do it, because it's a great game. Um, but yeah, Duck reached out to me uh, when I started the uh, Backwater before... It even released and he just started a chat with me and said that he was really excited for it. You know, right now he lives in uh, in Mississippi and he was telling me that it, he was really interested in the game themes. And I mentioned it was our first Kickstarter and he asked me if I wanted advice. I also appreciated that he asked, he didn't just give unsolicited advice and <laughs> I accepted it. And he gave me tons of advice and I wish I would have listened to more of it <laughs> because, uh, but that, that was really helpful for me. And I'd say along the way, I've learned a lot from other creators and talking with them mm -hmm. and just seeing what they're doing uh, in the community. And that's why I think podcasts like this are great too. And I know you asked that question um, in, in your podcast and you get a variety of, of answers here, but I appreciate hearing what other people have to say because I do think that's ultimately what got us to where we are. And it's what's going to help us continue to improve, too, because obviously we're both pretty small-time creators. The tabletop role-playing game community is so good for the most part, especially the creators. I really find that the creators are so united in a sense. Obviously, there's like a couple people who aren't. I'm just going to say that we're gonna we're gonna stop there there are a couple that aren't um but for the most part people are willing to help so i i really like that advice asa alex this has been an amazing talk and i've had a really good time where can people find out more about the both of you backwater and most importantly with this episode backroads yeah you can find Backroads on Kickstarter right now, and we yep. also got a little media corner up there. So, if you want to learn more about it, uh, we can be much more eloquent in writing. And we've had some uh, <laughs> other interviews uh, that you can check out uh, there. You can also catch out a uh, catch a couple of actual plays that are going on in the yes. near future using the Backroads play kit and rules, our prelim preliminary play kit for people. That's with Todd Moon mounts on. May 25th. I don't know if this will uh, be out there in time. That will just be. But tonight, Nerds with Dice on Twitch. Listen to this. Go to go watch Nerds with Dice. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> and that, so May 31st. Uh, 7 p.m. CST. Yeah. And uh, otherwise, uh, we also, the best place to get a lot of our information is probably on itch, on itch.io. Uh, we've got all of our games up there and a few mini games that I was sort of experimenting with, uh, miniature versions of our game system, rules light versions that you can check out there. And during our current Kickstarter, you can actually get some of our backwater content for free. 
Our quick start has always been pay what you want, but now it's you know free, free, and we have a solitaire adventure on there that you can grab for free if you want to try out the game. Rad. That's so exciting. As always, audience, those links are going to be in the description down below. So go check out Backroads. Go get Backwater. Asa and Alex have worked super hard on this game. I've got a preview copy here looking like at it. It's so cool. It's it's a really cool game, and I think you're going to love it. Asa, Alex, thank you so much for joining me this week. Well, thank you yeah, for thanks having, for having it's been us. A real, it's been a real joy. It's been a lot of fun. And audience, thank you so much for listening. Alex, Asa, and Backroads, they're scheduled to launch really soon. They're on Kickstarter right now, so go support them. Take care of yourselves. Have a good night, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye. Thank you so much to Asa and Alex for joining me on the podcast this week. Backwater is a project that I was honestly super bummed to have missed on the first go-around, so I was really thrilled to be able to look into Backroads with them. If you're still unsure about this title, go check out their quick start on their website and check out some of the actual plays of it because they're genuinely amazing. The Kickstarter for this runs until June 10th, so you have less than two weeks from this recording to back it. I highly recommend it. And as always, thank you much, audience. It's been super busy lately, and my partner and I just added a puppy to our family. So that's been a thing that's really exciting. I'm going to take a quick second to plug a couple things, though, because, like I said, a lot's been happening. If you're looking for some actual plays and streams to watch, you can find me on two different streams now. For the next few weeks, you can catch me on Fool's Moon Entertainment stream Saturday mornings at 9am Eastern Standard Time, where I join a crew playing Shadowrun as a Decker. I'm terrified of this game and feel like I will be eaten alive every time I look at the character creator, but I'm very excited to give it a shot. Next, you can also find me on SDG Creative Stream for Tale of the Void, Tuesdays at 8.30pm Eastern Standard Time. I play the world's worst con artist turned semi-decent pilot and I've been doing so for almost a year now. You can also find that podcast as Tale of the Void on most major streaming platforms. So join me and let's have some fun. If you like the show, please leave a rating and tell someone how you felt about it. I love talking with you guys and I just appreciate hearing the feedback. Next week, we'll be doing the actual episode with Moss Powers about Infinite Reverie. I knew I kind of threw a backhand last week about that being this episode, but I messed up my schedule. So be extra hyped for that. Until then, take care of yourselves. I'll see you on the next one.